Hi, and welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. Thank you for tuning in for another episode. Today, you get to meet another very special friend of mine, Leanne Ballinger. Leanne and I met in 2014 at David and Nancy Guthrie's grief retreat. She is not just a fellow grieving mom, but she is my sister, my confidant, and my companion in this fight for joy. Listen in as she shares her story and her hope. Hi, Leanne. Hey, Jody. So good to hear your voice. You too. And I'm so glad that we can do this together. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. It is my honor. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, well, let's, I thought it'd be fun to start out by just telling everybody how we met um, in 2014 when we went to the, um, the grief retreat. Um, mm-hmm. So Eric and I had flown into Nashville and the lodge where the retreat was being held was out in the country. So mm-hmm. instead of lining up an Uber or something like that, Nancy Guthrie had connected the two of us and um, had you and Mike pick us up so that the four of us could drive to the retreat together and... Leanne, I just knew right away that we would have, um, it's going to make me cry, but just such a special friendship. I'm so thankful for you and Mm. just the way that we connected right away. Um, Mm -hmm. And just like I'm doing now, I mean, we started out our friendship crying. (laughs) Yep, we did. I mean, as soon as we got in the car and started talking, we just started sharing and crying. And I'm just so grateful to Nancy for putting us together and just in the midst of such heartbreaking circumstances to meet somebody like you. So what are what are some of your memories from our first meeting? Well, I mean, I just echo everything you just said. And, you know, I know that it was God's directed appointment that we would be the ones chosen to pick you all up because there was other people flying into Nashville. And um, I mean, God just he yeah. just knew that yeah. I needed you. And I remember, uh, you know, it was in January and it was cold and um, I remember pulling up to your all's hotel. I'd never seen you or talked to you. And I got out of the car and we didn't even say anything. We just hugged and it was the sweetest yeah. Yeah. hug. And, um, you know, I, I knew then and know it much more now that God has just knitted our hearts together yeah. and our stories are different. You know, the ages of our loss, our other ages of our sons, um, that passed away are different, but God has given us such, he's just given me such a kindred spirit in you. And I'm very thankful for his, for how he arranged all of that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I just, that is in the midst of just all the brokenness, I feel like our friendship is just a real kindness of the Lord. And I really try to find ways that the Lord has been kind in the midst of, mm. of all of this. And I think our friendship is for sure one of those for me. So, well, you, you already touched on it, but, um, you know, we were obviously both at the grief retreat, which means that, um, you two have suffered the loss of a child. And so why don't you just start out by telling the listeners just a little bit about yourself and your family and what you went through with your sweet Drew? Mm. Um, well, um, uh... I grew up uh, in the church and didn't really start walking with the Lord until my 20s. Um, mm-hmm. I met and married my wonderful husband. His name's Mike in my 30s. And pretty soon after we got married, we had our son, Nate, who is now 12. Um, we had always thought and planned on having more children and um, didn't have any trouble at all having Nate. But after we had Nate, I had three miscarriages Mm. and, um, that was just so difficult. Mm. Um, and after the third, we had testing and, and found out what was going on, but we prayed about it and decided not to pursue any fertility treatments. Um, so then we were shocked on my 40th birthday (laughs) to find out that I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we were excited and felt like it was just a real gift from God. And, and it was, and, um, so at my 20 week ultrasound, you know, you gone and find back then you had to wait until 20 weeks to find out the mm-hmm. sex of the baby. And, um, at that appointment, they diagnosed Drew to have a CDH, a congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which just means he had a hole in his diaphragm hmm. and he had a 50% chance of survival after birth. He was fine as long as I was breathing for him. Um, and then a month later at a follow-up ultrasound, they also found he had a hole in his heart. And those are two unrelated issues, uh, but that decreased his chance of survival to 25%. Um, they told us that we would need to, he would need to be delivered 
in Nashville, Tennessee, which is about three hours from our home, and that we would need to be there for possibly months mm-hmm. um, because they had equipment there um, that he would need. Um, so we started looking for housing. Um, long story short, God provided a sweet family who didn't notice know us at all, but had heard of the need and um, took that to the Lord and prayed and opened up their home to us. And they didn't know us at all. And um, so we had a place to stay that was about 10 minutes from the hospital uh, that wasn't just housing. It was a family. Mm-hmm. And they um, didn't just open up their homes. They opened their hearts and uh, were just with us through our journey. Um, so what followed was uh, seven and a half months of uh, what one of the doctors described as one of the very worst roller coasters he'd seen in his 30 plus years of mm. practice. Um, I can't tell you how many times that we were told that Drew would not survive and then he would fight through and he would come back and he would live. And so we were just on this roller coaster of, okay, he's going to be okay. And oh my gosh, he's not going to be okay. He's going to die. And um, his name, Andrew, uh, actually means warrior. And so mm. we would just call him our warrior and he was just to, <laughs> so strong and yeah. um, such a strong little boy. And um, so in those seven and a half months of his life, God just provided in countless ways, you know, this family that I've already mentioned, mm-hmm. um, we had their community in Nashville. Uh, we had our community back home that would send us care packages and gift cards for gas. And they even sent cookies to the medical staff and just really mm-hmm. God just it, it was truly the hands and feet of Jesus well, during a really, really hard time. And Mike described it, you know, when somebody jumps off stage at a concert and you're just carried by the crowd. And oh, he yeah. said, that's how it felt for us. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we continually um, just witnessed these miraculous works of God and during Drew's life. And I was just, I became more and more convinced that God was going to heal Drew. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was, very, very devastating um, that in on July 7th of 2013, uh, he took a turn for the worse and, and passed away in my arms. I am so um, sorry, my friend. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but you know, for since we got that diagnosis while I was pregnant, it was probably about a year to that date that mm. he passed away. And I'll tell you, that night when I put my head on the pillow, it was the very first time in a year that I had not worried if he was going to be okay, because mm-hmm. I knew in my heart that he was okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those both and then, ands, right, of just, mm-hmm. I mean, you still wanted him there with you, you still wanted sure. him to be healed here on earth, but you were able to lay your head down knowing he he was with the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the grief would come, you know, as we'll continue to talk about it. But that night I had a peace just wash over me that, that he was with the Lord Mm -hmm. and he was not just okay. I mean, he was, he was perfect, you know? Yeah. 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 He was such a beautiful, strong warrior, Leanne. And I'm so thankful that you have given me just the privilege of seeing so many Mm -hmm. pictures and videos of your sweet boy. And just, Mm -hmm. um, I love that you chose that name for him and I Mm. love that he did fight so hard and that um and I also am thankful that that doctor acknowledged that that was the worst roller coaster (laughs) that he had seen because I'm sure it felt like that to you but to have somebody who sees this kind of stuff day in and day out acknowledge that um Mm -hmm. just shows just what a traumatic thing you guys had to go through and walk through and um Mm -hmm. and I'm just I'm so sorry Leanne he's just such a Mm. beautiful little boy Mm, um, thank you. Yeah. Well, you know, I named this podcast Fighting for Joy just because it is such a fight when hard things, um, something, you know, especially as painful and final as death and crashes into our life. So um, how did that, you know, how did Drew's diagnosis and, and his struggles in the hospital affect your joy? And then how did his death affect your joy? Mm. Um. You know, like I, like I mentioned, I really was convinced that God was going to heal Drew here on this earth. And um, even his last breath, you know, he kind of gasped at the end of his life. And I, I thought that was it. I thought that was going to be the moment that God was going to step mm-hmm. in and, and heal it here. And, um, and so I was honestly overwhelmed with just the disappointment. I was yeah. because I knew 
that God was able Mm -hmm. to, to heal him here. Um, and he, for some reason chose not to. And, um, and it was just, you know, especially right after, um, Drew's death, it was really, really difficult for me to hear of, you know, these miracle stories of my baby was not supposed to live and here he is, you know, an adult now. And that was really hard. Not that I wanted anybody else to lose a child, but I, I just could not, I couldn't reconcile in my mind how God could, could heal some and not others. Mm -hmm. And so as time has passed and, you know, I continue to walk with the Lord, I think I have settled on what I find the most theologically sound and faith-based answer for that, for my heart, for why he did not heal Drew. And the answer to, for me is, I don't know. Yeah. And, and I don't like not knowing. I like to understand why things are the way they are. And, you know, he keeps bringing me back to that verse in Proverbs, lean not on your own understanding, you know, Mm -hmm. trust in the Lord, acknowledge him in all my ways and he'll make our path straight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have to, I would say even more often than daily surrender my ways and my agenda to a God that is bigger and greater mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and just kind of be okay, not knowing. And that that's hard. Yeah. Um, and some days are, some days are better than others. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, we just think that it, that an answer, a clear answer, would be more helpful. But honestly, I think you've come to the best conclusion, which is just we just won't know here. Uh-huh. Um, but he is a good God that is worthy to be trusted. It's both of those things. And uh-huh. um, so, you know, today's Saturday. And so, you know, as we fight for joy, what's how do you practically do that on a daily basis? So what's something you're going to do today to make sure that you are um, seeking joy? Um, well, you know, God continues to call me to just show up and to be present. Um, you know, a word that I use very often just for my own soul is intentionality, Mm -hmm. um, to be intentional, um, to, you know, turn off my phone to, um, you know, really focus on, on my, the people I love, you know, that are right in front of me and, um, you know, grief Oh boy, it takes, it, it, it takes so much emotional energy Mm -hmm. and, um, I have been surprised how weary I am in my soul. Um, and so, uh, God is good in that, in those, those points where I choose to not numb, that's an area that is a struggle for me of, you know, checking out, um, in different ways. And and I have to really force myself to tune in and be Mm -hmm. present. Mm -hmm. Um, then he, it's a, it's a real, to use your words, it's a kindness of the Lord for, for him to really bless me in that too, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and and it's, it's feeds my soul, you know, for whenever I can connect with someone and, and, you know, share and be present. And, um, Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it it's different for everybody. And I think that that's the challenge when you're in the midst of something hard is to figure out what works for you. And it can be something very simple. It can be something really profound. I mean, one thing that I'm going to do today after we're done recording is I'm going to go try to get a little exercise in, right? Like, mm-hmm, I just find mm-hmm. that a good workout helps me with my worry. It helps me to sleep better. Um, it's also just become a sweet time of talking to the Lord. So, so mm-hmm. um yeah, it's these little practical things that we can do. I love that about just um, fighting to stay present too. That's a that's a struggle for me too. And I, like you, have been so surprised in grief by just how exhausting it is and mm-hmm. felt extremely exhausted in the early years by kind of the stormy waves that were always hitting me and just feeling mm-hmm. like I was knocked down. And it was so took so much energy to get back up and to get my footing and then I would get kind of tossed back and forth but now you know I feel like the undercurrent of grief is just as exhausting it's a different kind of weariness and a different Mm -hmm. kind of tiredness but um but there's something you know underneath that's constantly zapping my energy and my you know, emotional, um, strength. And I just, I'm, I'm weary, um, Mm -hmm. still. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I think that just has surprised me a little bit of just 
five and a half years in, like we both are, um, man, there's still that, that undercurrent of grief. It's grief is, um, it's not as all consuming for me, but it's definitely, um, present and Uh continuing to, um, to make me weary and tired. And I feel like that makes it sometimes harder to fight for joy when we're, Uh um, not resting in the same way. But, um, well, one thing, I mean, you touched on it just now, but um, one thing I want to keep talking about all throughout this podcast is how much we need each other. And you said mm-hmm. that too. Um, I mean, going through loss and experiencing things that turn, you know, your life upside down is just hard enough. But when we isolate ourselves or we pull away from others, it's just harder and um, mm-hmm. more lonely. And I, I feel like personally, it's more tempting to believe all these weird lies that circle around in my head or you know, to fall into some despondency. So we need each other in grief, but, but not everything that people do or say is helpful. Right. So that's right. Um, so without getting too specific, I mean, just what are some helpful things that people have done or have not done, um, that you could share just kind of in hopes of encouraging other people when they want to reach out to somebody who's hurting. Mm. Um, you know, surprisingly, I, I I think sometimes the things that have been the most helpful to me is when someone acknowledges that there are no words to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I had a, a girl that I met for the first time and I told her a little bit about my story and her eyes just welled up with tears and she just hugged me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's just, there's just often more power in actions like a hug mm-hmm. or someone else's tears or um, even an act of service or something. But, you know, sometimes there's just not words. And I think sometimes in our discomfort or maybe, you know, maybe the other person feels uncomfortable and wants to kind of make it better. I, I, you know, you, you tend to, I tend to talk too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes I think it's better just to, um, you know, express a gesture of love, like a hug or something, a touch on the arm or something. But um, I also feel like, you know, if someone has said something that has not particularly been helpful or maybe even hurtful, that I haven't really had anything hurtful. But um, God has just really taught me that people are well-meaning and mm-hmm. and they, they just want to say something. Um, yeah. And it's just hard when there's nothing to say. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and just people who are willing to just kind of come and, and be near, Mm -hmm. um, because I think that sometimes, especially in the death of a child, it's a very uncomfortable topic. And I, I remember feeling that way, um, before almost like it's contagious. Like if I'm with someone who's gone something through something so difficult, then something bad may happen to me too. I know that's crazy to say, but, um, and so I just, maybe it was just, I, I didn't want to acknowledge that something bad like that could happen or uh, I couldn't even go there in my own mind that I could yeah. lose a child. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and so just someone willing to, to be near, uh, because I think that that is, I know that's what God promises. He says he's close to the uh, brokenhearted. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's a really great way to show up for someone is just to be near them. And trust that the Holy Spirit will lead you if you're supposed to open your mouth or maybe he'll close it if you should close it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with that. And I think for me, some of the most comforting words that people spoke to me were, I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. Because that mm-hmm. just it acknowledged the grief and the difficulty of it all. But they were still trying to say something, but there's nothing mm-hmm. to say. And so sometimes even just... I don't know what to say, or I'm so sorry, or like you said, just tears and, mm-hmm. and weeping with, with us is just, it just means the world. And, and, um, and I, I think for me too, some of the most helpful things that people, you know, did were just, um, just stepping in and doing something versus yeah. kind of let me know if you need anything or mm-hmm. call me when you, you know, if you, if you need help with whatever, I mean, we had a neighbor who just came over and started mowing our, our grass or I had a mm-hmm. friend who just dropped off groceries. She didn't ask what I needed. She just dropped off some basic things. And, um, mm-hmm. I had another friend who just showed up with cleaning supplies and just started cleaning my bathroom. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's a huge blessing when people just do something in, and so mm-hmm. that's, that's an encouragement to people is just, um, 
there's no such thing as a small act of service or act of kindness when somebody's in the middle of grief a hug means so much and mm-hmm. um and so and I also just want to put a little plug in for that book that Nancy Guthrie wrote um I think it was about two years ago about this very thing it's called um, what grieving people wish you knew about what really helps and about what really hurts and um it's just a wonderful resource for anybody wanting to know how to help when somebody is hurting because it's practical and it's based on input from a bunch of people who have um, lost a loved one. And um, so if anybody's looking for a good book, um, a good tool to help a friend in the midst of their grief, that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of things that are helpful, you and I have, um, have both sought professional Christian counseling. And for me, this has been one of the top tools for me in fighting for joy and pressing on in grief and, I would love for you, um, if you're comfortable, to share a little bit about your counseling experience and grief and um, why it's been valuable, if you're still going today, or, um, I mean, for me, I've said I'll probably continue going the rest of my life. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's absolutely. so helpful, and, you know, my counselor sees grieving people all the time, so she can point out, you know, what's normal and healthy versus what's a red flag or an unhealthy coping pattern, so... Um, so what are you, what, what's your experience been like with that? Oh my goodness. I'm just such a huge fan of solid Christian counseling. And, um, like you, I probably will just be in counseling in some form or fashion for the rest of my life. Um, uh, Mike and I have been off and on to a counselor uh, together. Um, Nate has been in counseling um, I've been in counseling. I've been the most, um, mm-hmm. just on my own. And, um, I think that, um, it, it has been off and on and I'm, I am in cur- currently in counseling now. And, uh, the girl that I'm working with is a trauma specialist mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she works with, um, war veterans and, you know, she has equated what we went through um, as like war, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the trauma, the in and out of these crisis periods, um, and also a, a part of it, which I did not think about is that we were in Nashville, Drew and I were in Nashville and Mike and Nate were still at home. We were going back and forth. And so, and my family and, you know, my, my community was, was still at home and I was there kind of away. I mean, it was three hours, but Mm -hmm. still the things that I experienced the day in and the day out, uh, trauma and crisis, um, the people that were there and the closest to my experience were the medical staff, Mm -hmm. um, and my community there, but really the nurses and I mean, they were the ones that were there in and out. And so coming back home after Drew's death was, was like I was coming back home Mm -hmm. And in my own, I don't think anyone had this expectation of me, but I had it of myself that I needed to, to have this reentry and get right back to how life was before mm-hmm. this, you know, eight month, almost eight month experience mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was really, ch- excuse me, that was really challenging. So, you know, the, the work that I've done with her, um, you know, she calls it trauma work and, you know, one of the things that has been helpful is to just acknowledge um, the triggers, you know, and, mm. and, you know, to, and just recently she said, you know, here I am five and a half years out. And even unconsciously, we think about, oh, I should be further along in my grief. You know, it's mm-hmm. been five and a half years. And, mm-hmm. and there can be something that triggers me, a song, um, a smell, you know, something can, can send me right back. And she says, you know, in, in our brains, uh, there's a, she said, it's like a filing cabinet and the name of the filing cabinet is it's like, and so if something happened, I'm like, Oh, that's like when drew, when this happened with drew and our, our Mm. brains cannot differentiate between the two. And Mm. so, um, all the feelings, all the emotions, everything comes back and into my body as if I was in that moment five Mm. and a half years ago. Mm. And, so um, all that to say is just to acknowledge the weight of what it was, uh, to recognize, you know, where we are now. It's grief is not linear and mm-hmm. it is, you know, 
it often feels like I take one step forward and two steps backward. And, you know, to just give myself grace there and to be kind to myself and, Mm -hmm. you know, to recognize, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm triggered by this and I need to kind of process through that and, um, and deal with that. But like I said, just give it the weight that it is and, um, and to be kind to Mm -hmm. myself in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work to find a counselor that you can connect with and somebody who is like you have, you know, she's specialized in, in trauma work and our counselor is specialized in, um, in some teenage issues, which has been helpful for us since we have Mm -hmm. had three teenagers, um, Mm -hmm. that we needed to help through, um, grief as well. Um, and going to counseling, I mean, it's exhausting work, but from my perspective and I know yours too, it's so worth it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, you mentioned that you and Mike have gone to counseling together. Eric mm-hmm. and I have gone to um, the Guthrie's when they do the grief retreat. They really want you to come as spouses as well. Um, but one of the things we've talked about is that even though we're grieving together as a couple, it's still so individualized. Um, yes. Even within a marriage, even grieving the same child in the same mm-hmm. situation. Um but I do remember the Guthrie's at the retreat um, sharing that there is research out there that that does debunk the myth that there's a high divorce rate after the loss of a child that um, I don't know. Do you remember her saying that? I do remember yeah, that. And, and Mike leaned over and said, OK, we're good. We can go now. <laughs> <laughs> I know our guys our poor guys. That was a hard weekend. But yeah, but it was just such a it was so helpful for me to hear that and so hopeful. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there are big, huge struggles in marriage, in grief. Um, so what is what is grieving together and yet separately or differently? What does that look like for you and Mike? Or just um, what encouragement could you bring um, to people who might be in the middle of something really hard right now and they're just going through it in a very, very different way than their spouses? Mm, that's such a great question. Um, you know, I, for me, um, it was expectations and Mm -hmm. they were certainly not conscious. I just had them in my mind. I suppose that Mike would grieve the exact same way as I grieve. Mm -hmm. And um, so then I was real disappointed or real frustrated or, you know, I felt unloved or something because he wasn't grieving like I was grieving. And Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, counseling came in um, and that was very helpful. And she you know, the way she defined it, I don't want to share too much about Mike and, you know, personal, but Mm -hmm. on a broad scale, Mike is an internal processor. So he thinks about things and he kind of, you know, thinks about them, keeps them in their head. And then he gets to a conclusion and then he wants to say what the conclusion is. I am an external processor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so I am full of words and have a gazillion words and I want to talk it all through and I want to process it out loud with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you could see how that would be a challenge um, in our marriage um, because I would want to talk, 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 talk. And so just a couple of um, practical things that she helped us out with was that, you know, to verbalize, you know, for me to say, Mike, I really feel like I need to talk mm-hmm. about this. Mm-hmm. And then for him to be honest, to say, okay, this is, this is not a good time, whether he was in the middle of something else or just not emotionally there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she suggested for him to, or either one of us, if it wasn't the right time to make an appointment. And so to say, I, I'm not able to, to go there right now, but, you know, let's plan on dinner tomorrow night, just the two of us, or you know, to actually make an appointment so that I didn't feel like I was just mm-hmm. heavy with this. And yeah. I knew that there was going to be another time um, to discuss it. Yeah, um, that's good. And then the other piece that she helped me with is to just to respect the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as I need to talk and feel like I might bust if I don't express all my words, he has just as much need to process it internally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that may mean that I need to call a friend and talk and get some of those words out and get and process all that. And then maybe I can just share with him the most important points. I don't have to give them all my words because I have several friends who love all my words. And not that Mike doesn't love my words. He's just, I need to respect his capacity, Mm -hmm. you know, and the timing and 
you know, it's all of that, but just to respect the differences and to, to give text and grace to one another that we're not the same and that's okay. And God has made us to where, you know, if we both were external processors, we would never get anything done other than talking. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's good that we're not the same. It is good. And you know, some of the differences are what attracted us to our husbands in the first place. Mm -hmm. But then when we go through Mm -hmm. something like this, yeah, we just, our expectations, it's just so hard to know until you're in the midst of it. It's so hard to know how you will react in situations like this and respond to such a painful situation like this. And I love that you use that phrase, extend grace, because that's just been kind of um, a motto that I have lived by these last five and a half years. I mean, Mm -hmm. extending grace to myself and to my husband and to my Mm -hmm. kids and to others Mm -hmm. and and just continuing to remember that um, we've got to communicate as well. I love that as well. And that's Mm -hmm. what, honestly, that's what makes it hard for me with the kids is because um, teenagers aren't always wanting to communicate. And so as Mm -hmm. we watch, you know, our other three living children and for you watching Nate, I mean, they're dealing with grief and they're also dealing with normal teenage angst and hormones and, um, and all the things that they have. And so for me, you know, our kids and their grief has been one of the heaviest burdens um, over these last five years. And I just, you and I have talked about it. We hate that they've been exposed to such heartbreak so early in life. And I know this has been a big burden for you too. Um, Do you have any thoughts on just what it's been like to watch Nate grieve his brother? Mm, um, It has been so hard. And, um, you know, for, for me, I feel like as a mom, I should be able to fix it and mm-hmm. I should be able to have his ans- answers to any questions. Why did God not heal my brother, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. um, and to not be able to have an answer other mm-hmm. than I don't know and to point him to the promises of being able to see Drew again, um, you know, and, of, and pointing out the attributes of God, of his goodness and, and his sovereignty and, and those kind of things, it, it's very difficult to kind of sit in the mystery of God and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not have an answer to to put a bow on it and put it on the shelf, you know. Yeah. And uh, you touched on the and he's almost a teenager, and you know, as I guess as I'm learning that as children get older and enter into teenage years, their words get fewer. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I've got enough words from a whole household, but, um, <laughs> but you can call you know, me anytime friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will. Um, but you know, if, and when Nate is ready to talk, which I have to say, it's usually at like my worst time. It's, mm-hmm. you know, nine or 10 at night when I'm exhausted and, mm-hmm. you know, and so I have to keep that in mind and, and prioritize accordingly. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't work and, you know, um, you know, do a gazillion things for my church and talk to a million people and, and give out all of my energy. And then when it's time for my son, if he wants to talk to me, I'm, I'm done. Right. Um, you know, that's just, I have to prioritize and, and give him my best. I don't want to just give him the crumbs from my day of Mm -hmm. leftovers. Mm -hmm. Um, and another piece that was hard through this journey was that I was gone. Like I mentioned earlier, I was in Nashville with Drew and Mike held down the fort here at home. And so, you know, I missed Nate was six, um, mm-hmm. turned seven at that time. And so I missed kindergarten, you know, yeah. and, you know, there was so many, and even in my grief, I feel like I missed, um, you know, so much. And so that has been hard. And I often go back to the, to promise in Joel two twenty five of how God repays the years the locusts have eaten. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those years that I feel like I missed either with, if I was in Nashville or when I was in Nashville or because of my grief, you know, God is going to repay those years. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. um, so I have to keep that in mind. And even if I don't have answers, um, for Nate, I, I can offer him myself. I can offer him my presence. I can offer him, you know, just my attention and my energy and my love for him. Um, and I mean, isn't that what God does for us? Because he doesn't give us all the answers, you know, but he gives us Emmanuel, God with us. You know, he gives us his spirit. He gives us himself. And he says his grace is sufficient. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, 
even if I don't have the answers, his grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't like what he's doing, his grace is sufficient. And, you know, he's the perfect parent, right? And yeah. so, yeah. you know, for me to, to give Nate me and mm-hmm. to give and offer that to my husband also and, and give them my first, well, I mean, yeah. after God, but yeah. give them my best is, yeah. um, is what I can, what I can give. And, mm-hmm. And And also realize I can't fix it. (laughs) Right, right. And figuring all that out is messy and it's hard and it's not Mm -hmm. like just an easy, okay, here's what I need to do to make sure that I'm present for my son or for my husband. But it really, like you said, takes some prioritizing. And for me, I've had to learn it's not prioritizing time, it's prioritizing energy. And that's a new thing in grief because I did have... um, a lot more energy and a lot more ability to do um, multiple things and then to still be there for the people that I loved and who needed me as well. And, um, and it's hard for people to understand. I mean, back to the point of how um, exhausting it is to just have even now five and a half years in this undercurrent of grief constantly pulling at us. Um, It's I mean, it's hard for people to understand that. And when we have to say no to good things and things we want to do or things we used to do, um, in order to have the energy um, to be there for our kids and our husband. Um, That's why I'm just super grateful for a friend like you, Leanne, and other people Mm. that I've connected with that have gone through something difficult and understand that because um, it really does set you apart uh, relationally and socially at times um, Mm -hmm. when you have to kind of protect yourself um, that way. And and I also just think like, you're right about the presence of God and how he um, is with us and promises to be with us. And um, and that's ultimately what we're wanting to do with our kids, right, is just point mm-hmm. them to the perfect parent and point them to the ultimate comforter and the ultimate person who can give peace. And mm. um, and so that's, you know, that's what we're both striving to do. I know it's messy and hard, but we just want to point our kids um, to Christ in the middle of all of this, not to us as being exactly what they need when they need it, but um, Mm -hmm. just showing them through example that God is there with you, Mm -hmm. um, never leaving you and never forsaking you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, something else that grief has brought with it for me um, that's been kind of a new experience is some anxiety and some fear and just um, honestly, there's just times I can't imagine that my other kids aren't going to die too. I mean, when we, yes. you know, send them off to do something, I just think, how are they not going to die? You know, and mm-hmm. just in the early years, just checking my phone to see, you know, if somebody else I knew had been in an accident and just some of that fear. I mean, what does that look like for you? Um, have you felt like you've had fear or anxiety or worry, um, that's accompanied your grief as well? Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, absolutely. It's just been off the charts and, you know, just because we went through something so difficult, it doesn't make us exempt from something else mm-hmm. bad happening, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, that's a very, very vulnerable feeling. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, just because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and we walk closely with him, you know, it doesn't make us immune as a matter of fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. And so he tells us that we'll have trouble and this is not our home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So in light of all that, um, you know, I can't just say, um, oh, everything will be fine and easy and comfortable. And <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so I do struggle. I struggle very, very often with fear and anxiety. And, um, you know, of course, my greatest fear is to also lose Nate. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it is paralyzing mm-hmm. um you know just the just yeah like you said and I, he's not even driving yet i mean lord help whenever he starts to drive mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. but yeah. um you know just letting him go and do things and and he's a boy and he needs to do things that are um you know maybe dangerous in some aspects you mm-hmm. know and mm-hmm. um and that's just part of being a a 12 year old boy um mm-hmm. but you know, for me, um, I just, I have to confess my fear and walk in faith. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, because I can't just act like I'm not afraid. Um, but you know, God, it can handle it, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so for me to just be able to confess that to him and, and, and then say, yes, 
you know, yes, you can go and do that. It, it is, that's the, the, the walking in faith part. And so I think when we start to take those, it's just one step at a time. And as I take a step out and trust God, because I could say no, no, yeah. you should stay inside all the time and, right. you know, and just play on a video game where you're safe and in my living room, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's not right or good or healthy. And, um, but, and so I, it, again, go back to the word vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable feeling uh, when you let your child go and do something. And um, and in that retreat, you know, we heard 11 other couples tell their stories of their mm-hmm. loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it, it happens. And yeah. so I don't, I don't really have a solution. Um, and I, I, when I say, you know, that I trust God um, with the people that I love, I know that in that statement, I'm not saying just because I trust him, he's going to, that I'm going to outlive them, you know? Right. Um, And so I don't think you can predict or prepare, but I also try not to live in that fear. I try to confess it and then, um, and move on. And Mm -hmm. like I said, just try to say yes to the things that my, that my flesh is saying, no, don't let him go, you know, just, just keep him close and safe. But that's not, that's not a good thing either or healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Turning our fear into control isn't going to (laughs) help them. Yeah. Mm -mm. Well, Leanne, this, this has been so good. Um, I want to start wrapping up, um, so that Mm -hmm. doesn't get too long. Um, but I just want to close by asking just a couple quick questions. Um, Mm -hmm. the first one is, do you have any resources that you want to recommend, um, either for grief or just for fighting for joy? Is there a book or a devotional or anything that you would want to recommend? Um, I have two books. Um, that have been beneficial and helpful to me. One is um, by Nancy Guthrie, Holding On to Hope. Mm-hmm. And it actually is a Bible, it's a book and also a Bible study on the book of Job. And, um, and you know, she has, she and her husband have lost two children. And um, that has just been uh, very helpful. Uh, there's another book by the author Angie Smith. And the name of the book is I Will Carry You. And she lost a child shortly after childbirth. And, um, um, it's just helpful to read of other moms mm-hmm. um, that have gone through um, such such hard losses and are still clinging to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've I've really enjoyed both of those. Um, and then another one just came to my mind: Shattered Dreams by Larry Crabb. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. and that's another one of you know, it's a both and. You know, I did not. Life is not looking like I thought it would and God is good yeah. and um, there's not an either or so yeah yeah those are three really good recommendations mm-hmm. thank you and I just finished I was going to tell you um, Paul Tripp's new book on suffering have you read that one yet mm, I have not oh it was so good so um, mm. I know I'm just going to be recommending that book to others but also just mm-hmm. going back I highlighted so much so um, that's another good one that we can, mm-hmm. we can put out there and I also just I mean it's it's a given that that the bible is our number one um recommended mm-hmm. <laughs> resource but um i've just been reminded of what a help the book of psalms were to me mm. in those earlier days and weeks and months of grief and just the range of emotions that are found there and the comforting passages like how god values our tears and um i don't know i'm just i'm so thankful that we have um the bible but then also we have these solid resources um of authors who have gone through other really hard things and um really grateful mm-hmm. that you're a reader too because then we can share resources mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> yeah so, absolutely um so we've been talking about you know the kind of the overarching fight for joy in this broken world but what are just a couple of simple things um simple joys as i'm trying to call them on this podcast that you are enjoying right now because um as i said on my previous podcast with my friend kathy it it has been hard for me to let happiness back into my life. It's been a struggle. Mm-hmm. There are days I just, it feels so much more appropriate um, to, to just be sad and miserable. And mm-hmm. yet as time um, passes and um, as I want to stay engaged with life and with my family and with friends and with ministry and serving others, I mean, I have to continue to, to just find simple joy in things um, in life and God's common grace. So what are, what are a couple of things that you're kind of enjoying right now? Mm. Um, you know, that's a great question. And I love that you touched on giving yourself permission to enjoy things. Cause I think after you 
after for me after losing a child there's almost a sense of guilt um, mm-hmm. if I allow myself to enjoy something and um, oh a counselor said to me you know over time grief will, may start coming off of you like a blanket mm-hmm. and I can make a choice to loop something around it and hold it down mm-hmm. or I can let it kind of go and um, and there's some guilt in that yeah, to yeah. Um, allow yourself to be happy or to enjoy something so um, for me, um, I could think of a couple of things, um, and it goes along with kind of the trauma side of it is, you know, when we, when you experience trauma, there is a separation of mind and body because just to survive, mm-hmm. uh, it's just a coping mechanism when, that God has created in us. Um, and so that you can just survive that moment. And so for me, I, I have to really focus on bringing mind and body back together. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those is I do enjoy yoga. Um, mm-hmm. because in that I, I, I have to bring what I'm doing. Uh, like you mentioned with exercise, it's good on, on all fronts, but also it brings my mind back into the, my space, into my body, which mm-hmm. sounds, um, strange, but I love tactile things. Um, my very, very, very favorite product in the entire world is my heated mattress pad. On my bed. Oh, <laughs> I did not know about this. <laughs> okay. Well, you, I would highly recommend them, um, and I know that Tennessee winters are probably not as bad as Nebraska winters, <laughs> but right now it's cold. And um, yeah, well, it's eight so, degrees here, so okay, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty darn cold. Yeah. Um, so it is a mattress pad, and it's dual controlled. So if your spouse is not a cold-natured person, then he doesn't have to turn his side on. Um, and so I turn that on about an hour or 30 minutes before bed. And when I get into bed, it's warm. And, mm-hmm. and the, just that tactile, um, it just feels like a hug. It feels like a hug. Um, and then the second thing that I think of is I enjoy uh, painting my fingernails, which, mm-hmm. um, and again, it's a tactile thing. And also um, I do better doing something to still my mind. Like if I'm on a walk mm-hmm. outside or if I'm painting my nails or if I'm, um, you know, I've painted my house on the inside interior walls and those kind of things. Um, my mind is still, even though my body's moving. And so I have a favorite fingernail polish. Um, it is Sally Henson miracle gel. Mm-hmm. And the reason I like it is because in the health, I work in a health professional and I'm always washing my hands and using hand sanitizer and it actually stays on. Um, okay. and I like the actual physical painting and it feels like a, a, a taste of, using creativity and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. making something look nice. Yeah, um, it, it's, yeah. it's a good thing. I love it. I love all of mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me right now, um, I am loving it's, it's almost, you know, we're in December, so I don't know when people will listen to this, but, um, you know, for me, it's one of the first times, well, it is the first year that I have, um, decorated, Um, like I Mm. used to before Jackson died and it's taken me every year to kind of gradually do a little bit more and kind of focus in on what really means a lot to the kids and um, and so I I have done more this year than in past years Mm. and I don't mean like little knickknacks and stuff but just extra lights around the house than what I've been doing and a big fireplace mantle arrangement and Mm. furry pillows and blankets and I'm also just really loving Christmassy candles the you know pine Mm. scented or cinnamon scented um they're just making Mm -hmm. our house smell so good and it just um I don't know it's felt um it's felt cozy and inspiring and warm Mm. and um that's what I'm loving right now is I like that uh, yeah well I'm proud of you sweet friend um Mm. is there anything that I didn't ask you about or we didn't touch on that you would like to share um, you know, actually, I did think of uh, something when we were talking about the retreat and mm-hmm. um, two things that Nancy, Nancy Guthrie said that I, were so helpful to me. Um, and if it's okay, yeah. I, I wouldn't mind yeah. sharing those. Yeah. Um, um, so there's a scripture, and I don't know where it is, uh, Just and you may know about that Jesus holds the keys to life and death. Yes. Oh, that was so helpful to me, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, if that if he holds the keys to life and death, he has to open the door. And so when our child, Mm -hmm. when Drew died, Jesus was the very first thing that he saw. Mm -hmm. And that was so helpful to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was one thing. And the second thing that was helpful to me that she said at the retreat was that 
when you lose a child, there's um, this intense emptiness in your heart. And, and she said that um, emptiness is God's specialty. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, at the very beginning of Genesis, um, you know, the earth was void and there was nothing in it. And, you know, look what he did mm-hmm. in those, in those, in that week of creation. And, you know, he filled Sarah's womb and he filled Mary's womb and, you know, he, he specializes in empty spaces. And, and then she challenged us and said, uh, will you trust God to fill your emptiness? She said, because you can fill it yourself and you can fill it with mm-hmm. busyness and mm-hmm. activities and entertainment and food and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and so that's been challenged to me over the years. I have not forgotten that. Mm-hmm. And um, a challenge to just kind of hand that space to him mm-hmm. and and ask him to to fill it with whatever he chooses. And yeah. um, so those were two really powerful things that I have not forgotten from the respite retreat. Really powerful. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. sharing that. I think that's a wonderful way to end the podcast. And mm-hmm. I just, um, Leanne, you just, I mean, you are such a beautiful soul. I'm just, I feel so mm-hmm. privileged to get to watch how you live out your love for the Lord and your love for your family and the beautiful ways that you fight for joy. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful on well, this hard and lonely road that we have each other. Absolutely. I'm so thankful for you and I just love you. And um, I know that God is just using you in a powerful way. So thank you for sharing yourself with all of us. Thank you, Leanne. I love you, sister. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love for you to find me on social media. You can connect with me and others who are listening by finding my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also reach me at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me these past few years in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you.